And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me today is my good friend, Alex Spears. Alex, what up? What's up, Andrew? Happy Ooh. Wednesday. Ooh, it's a great Wednesday. Uh, the Thunder uh, played a really, really rough game against the Mavs. Some may call it unwatchable. No. <laughs> On Monday night. <laughs> um, but one step closer to the goal, Alex. Baby steps to the goal. Yeah, Luca. And Porzingis, man, Porzingis looked pretty good in that game. That was the first game where I felt like Moses Brown had a matchup that like was just not working for him at all. It was a horrible, really any big they put in there, really outside of Boban, it was just like, there's no way. Even like Nicola Melli, who's new to that team, I don't even know if he had played for them previously at, at all, if that was his first game, but like it's just any stretch big is a bad matchup for Moses. Yeah, but even like inside, like Porzingis was getting whatever he wanted, oh. and then on the defensive end, those like back to back, they I would only, I'm hesitate to even call them blocks because he was just like it didn't even jump. He just like, right. It was up. just like nope, you back down, back down <laughs> yeah. both times, and it was just like oh no, <laughs> no Moses. I almost yelled for him in the building. Just like Moses, no. Um, yeah, that was that was rough, uh, but. Big congrats to Moses on getting a contract and big congrats uh, to the Thunder for giving him a contract that is the most team-friendly contract ever. Uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on, on Moses and his contract, Al? I mean, I hesitate to even call it a contract because it's more of like, it's a contract for this season and then beyond that, it's an option for the Thunder to do a contract if they want to. But like, it's n yeah. it's nothing beyond this season. Like, nothing is guaranteed. So it is just them rewarding him for this season. It's prorated. So he, I think it ends up being right around like half a million dollars for this year. He's going to get more with that salary floor bump. Yeah, for but real. But beyond that, and it's weird because it is the exact same deal as the Lou Dort deal, except in the case of Lou Dort, we knew there was like zero chance the Thunder is ever going to get out of this contract. Like, the yep. Thunder are going to be in this contract for the full four years. Yep. And... I don't know. I mean, I, I expect that Moses Brown will be on this team next year, um, but I yeah, also don't know. Assuredly, I also yeah. don't know if you need both Tony Bradley and Moses Brown on a modern NBA team. So, I, I I would I could see them only going with one of those, and the, and the end of the season kind of being a tryout for both of them. So I thought it was cool that he got a quote unquote contract, but it's really not a contract. It's an option to have a contract potentially. I mean, yeah, it's it's a contract, a team friendly, team option, littered contract is what it is. But you know what? He didn't have anything resembling that before. So that's true. It's it's awesome for credit, him. Credit to him. It honestly yeah. just makes the Lou Dort deal seem like even crazier. Because yeah. like Lou Dort is someone who deserves guaranteed money. We knew it last year. Guaranteed money for four years, easy. He deserves that, and he's probably going to get it. Like they're not going to you know, waive Ludort or whatever. Um, but yeah, yeah, just in comparison, it's like wow, they got the same deal. Yeah, and it and it seems to be the deal that they give two way guys. Yeah, like no matter no matter what. And I I don't know, man. I think it's I think it's fine. And the Ludort one was a little bit different because. He played a position of need and a position that you know every NBA team will need moving forward. Like traditional big guy isn't going to step out and shoot it at all. Like that, there there are lots of those guys that don't make it in the league just because of that. Right. 
Yeah, they're limited minutes for those type of players. So for we'll see what happens, sure. though. He's going to get a ton of minutes. It seems like it'll be him and Bradley taking those center yeah. minutes the rest of the way, which is kind yeah. of interesting for Roby um, to see what happens with Roby's minutes because earlier in the season, Roby seemed like he was playing all of his minutes at center, and it just doesn't seem like that's going to be an option, at least for the rest of this season. No, he'll play forward. I, th- I still think he's best as like a backup small ball center. But, yeah. Um, he still he played well the other night for the most part. Uh, th- thoughts on Al Horford not playing for the Thunder maybe ever again? Yeah, I mean from a Thunder fan perspective, like I don't have I don't care that much. Um, it it does, and we we talked about this in our group chat that like that is the one trade. Or if I could go back and undo a trade from this past offseason, I think it would be the Horford trade. I just still don't really see the point, g- given what we got back. I mean, it's that trade significantly helped out the Sixers. It gave them so much flexibility going forward. And they got Danny Green. And they only had to give up one protected first-round pick that is, come, I think, is a 2025. They got Teo, too. That is true. Did. That is true. We did get Teo. Um but I, I, I'm just. I, is Teo not enough for you, bro? He is. I feel like we could have gotten Teo another way than taking on this contract. That like, okay, so we're not even going to play him. We can't trade him. There were no rumors about Al Horford being involved in a trade a couple weeks ago. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. I just don't. I just didn't like that deal, and I feel like it's looking worse in retrospect. Now they could flip him this summer and. For anything, literally anything, and I'll be happy. And it really doesn't matter because, like we've talked about with their books, like you could have another giant contract on this team and it really wouldn't matter. But I just, I don't know. I don't like the idea of teams just having guys just not playing. Just go home, do whatever you want. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Nothing matters. He's still, he's not like Josh Smithing the team where it's just like, Go away, stay away, you know, go home. He's, I mean, he's staying with the team. He's working out. He's on the bench. He's doing all yeah. that stuff. And he, so he's clearly been a good influence on a lot of the younger guys. I mean, he's yeah, been, definitely. he seems to be involved like emotionally with the team. It's yeah. not like he's, he's a loner, you know, like over in the corner by himself every game, just right. stewing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean the the truth is like it was this was never going to be his final stop, right? Like this is this is never going to be it. When it became Is it not? <laughs> is it not going to be his final stop, Andrew? No, no, no. No, no. It won't be. It definitely will not be. I mean the the intent of sitting him is so that you can get him to next season without getting hurt, right? So that he can be on another team. I mean, I mean we could we could have done that with Chris Paul. What do you mean, sit Chris Paul? Yeah, so he doesn't get hurt. I mean, what, what is that argument? Yeah, but, like, they're, but they were they were competitive, and a lot. This was this was all pushed forward by Shea's injury. If Shea's not hurt, I, I bet you Al plays until the last fifteen games of the season, and they sit him then. But without Shea, I mean, that like, look at that. Look, just what happened on Monday. I mean, there you want to risk his his injury. So that he can play with those guys, like I'm sorry, like it's just not going to happen. Like I said, I don't really care, <laughs> but <laughs> it, it just it brings up all the issues with like the current buyout market, yeah. and I just feel like there's a lot of things going on in the NBA right now that I don't like, and yeah, I, I I'm I'm worried about the long term future of small markets, and this this is like such a tiny like example of it but just with all the buyouts coming and I feel like the buyouts are going to get better they're, they're going to get more and more significant in terms of like the quality I mean I don't think this year feels like an outlier with Griffin and and well Marcus Aldridge and Andre Drummond but I feel like that's going to become the norm over these next couple of years and teams are going to be less willing to trade for those big contracts for veterans which I include Al Horford as part of that because they're just going to think, well, all these guys are just going to get released into the buyout market. There's really no reason for us to trade for these guys. I mean, no. 
I mean, they, the, like all the guys this year were, is all situational, though. Like every single one of them. Like it's always going to be situational. We yeah. we're not playing Al Horford. <laughs> Isn't that situational? Definitely. I just don't see why a team would ever trade for him. Like, and I know that OKC wouldn't buy him out, or at least we'll we'll say that until until it would happen. But like. Why wouldn't? Why not just wait? Like, why give up anything of value to take on that contract? Like, there's going to be these buyout guys now. It feels like every single year because these contracts are getting so big that it becomes so much more difficult to even formulate a trade for them. I mean, you couldn't even come up with a trade for Blake Griffin. Like, his contract yeah, was so big. Yeah, like, but <clears throat> you look at Blake and Lamarcus on their teams. Like, they just visibly were not helping their team. Like Al, like Al is still a helpful player. I think people can see that. Like LaMarcus was not. They can see they it. Helped. He's not going to play for like the next nine months. He pl- But when he played, he was helpful. He was a helpful player. The, the reason the Thunder are sitting out Horford is, is way different than like Drummond or LaMarcus or even Blake. I don't disagree. I just think that the end game... I wouldn't be surprised if it's the exact same, which is that, oh, we still can't find a deal for this guy. It could be. But, like, you look at even the Pelicans. Like, the Pelicans found a deal for J.J. Redick. You know? Like yeah. They, they, found a way, they found a way to trade him. I mean, Sam is has proven time and time again, like, he's a much more creative general manager than most everybody when it comes to trades. The dude traded Carmelo Anthony, for crying out loud. <laughs> you know, so I'm not I I believe that there will be a trade and there could be teams out there saying, hey, yeah, we'll trade for him in the summer, but I don't want to take on the rest of his bloated deal when I don't know that he can really help us all that much the rest of this season. Like we'll we'll take on the rest of his deal in the summer, but not now kind of thing. And you're not going to get tremendous value for him, but you could get I think you could get something. I mean. So I'm, I'm looking up his age. I'm trying to figure out how old he is going to be when he is in prime trading age. So he's going to be 35 mm-hmm. on June 3rd. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. Paying $24 million or whatever it is for a 35-year-old center. C- putting together a trade to just to reach the money at that point, I feel like, is, is going to be difficult. It'll be, it'll be easier with the cap space that is available this summer for a lot of teams. Yeah, it'll be it, easier. I mean, similar to like the Russ deal. Like, I I do think it's going to take a perfect storm of like a team missing out, a team needing a center. Yeah, and specifically a team needing a center who sees themselves as competitive. Sure. To to make yeah. a deal work. Yeah, I just I have little doubt uh, with this front office that they could. That, you know they're gonna pull it off. They're not like the Pistons where they have like waved and stretched like a thousand players in the last, <laughs> you know, like six months. You know, yeah. Like they're not. And I also don't know that they. I don't know if the Thunder are an ownership group that would say, "Yeah, we'll just eat that money." You know. Yeah, so. I mean, if they did, you would think it wouldn't happen till the that last year. However, we're we're gonna keep seeing like bigger and bigger buyouts. I mean, we're going to see some just like crazy buyout. I mean, like the Rockets, for instance, I feel like John Wall is holding back their development, and it doesn't seem like that big of a deal right now because they don't have that many young guys. <laughs> I was going to say, who are they <laughs> developing? But when they start adding young guys to this team and you're still having to give John Wall like 35 minutes a night, like that's the point where it's like, I don't care what it costs. Like we just need to buy you out so we can move on from this. Well, that's when the Thunder raise their hand and say, "Hey, just no this contract no. onto our team, and we'll take more assets from you." I guess at that point, I'd rather just buy them out. Can we talk about the <laughs> Raphael Stone press conference real quick? Yeah, it's a good transition. Yeah. Okay, definitely. so uh, he he did a like a virtual media availability. He was talking. He talked about the Harden trade, and then he talked about them going forward and why this is relevant. Of course, is because we have their future picks. So I think it's important, even besides my obsession with the Rockets, it's important <laughs> to like keep up to date on what the Rockets are thinking. Right? Because, yep. because I do think it's a question. Like, Are they going to go full tank, which I would argue makes sense given that they own their pick the next two seasons, 
Or are they going to try to do kind of what Daryl Morey did that whole time and try to, you know, retool as they eventually wait for some big fish? So he said, yeah. Hold on. I, I just have to say something real quick on what? the Daryl Morey keeping things afloat stuff. He gets praised so much for that crap. And he did it. I'm, I'm sorry. But like, yeah, he t- ended up taking advantage of the Thunder who didn't know what they had in James Harden. Great. If that didn't, let's just say that didn't happen. Like, what's your next plan, Daryl? Like, you've had this like crappy middle of the road team. Congratulations. Good job. That's the easiest type of team to put together. Way to go. I just hate the all the praise he gets for that is just some like big time BS. All right. See, continue. I, but I would argue that he did go for it. It's just that his stars kept getting hurt. I mean, he had T Mac and Yao, and he was able to keep that team competitive as those guys barely played. Year I'm after talking year. about the team like the team, like the Kevin Martin, Luis Scola team. Like he's right. praised for that team. And that's nuts. Like that's freaking crazy. Hey, we're the ones that traded for the assets. Okay, Raphael. I know, Stone. but but I think that's I think that's an insane compliment to him. But all right, go ahead. So talking about the Harden deal, he said, "I for sure, one hundred percent, would do that deal again." Again, you guys don't have the advantages of knowing everything I know, but literally, no part of me regrets doing that deal. I have not second guessed it for a moment. Which I thought that was interesting that he said the you don't have the advantages of knowing everything I know. I wonder if that means Tillman would not let me trade with the Sixers. (laughs) Right. It was literally the only thing I could do. (laughs) It honestly, it better mean that. That's kind of what I think that that. meant. But who knows? It yeah, it it absolutely better mean that because that the trade looks worse and worse each day. So then talking about all the picks they got from the Harden trade, he said, the Harden trade has allowed us to say, hey, we want to compete on a slightly quicker time frame. We're not going to go down this path of intentionally trying to lose games for years on end. He would like to use the picks to build around a young core that they really like, which is Christian Wood, Kevin Porter Jr., Jay Sean Tate, and KJ Martin. In terms of how we go from here, I feel pretty comfortable. We like where we are in the beginning stages. We're going to take constant bets. I don't think we need to do like a wholesale tank strategy like some other teams have done in the past or maybe are doing now. Shots fired. First of all, you, you rarely hear GMs use the word tank like openly, yeah. even though he's talking about it. Not a, like I'm not doing it. Yeah. Publicly, they don't say that word. Yeah. Yeah. But I thought it was just interesting. We'll, we'll see because, again, they own their next two picks in the next two drafts. I think that is the best way to go about it. They seem to be yeah. suggesting like that is not on our minds right now. We're going to try to be good, which sounds like, for, for the Thunder's perspective, this sounds like one of those teams that's just going to be bad. <laughs> Absolutely. Like is when, what we, that when, means. We, when we talk about tanking teams versus teams that are just terrible, like yeah. this is the type of plan because there is no, I mean, that core that I just read off, that quote unquote core. Christian Wood, yeah. Kevin Porter Jr., Jay Sean Tate, KJ Martin. Like, that's not a core. Like, Christian Wood is good. Kevin Porter Jr. may be good. The other two are be, exciting it, it 25 would be like, year olds. Yeah, it'd be like calling what the Thunder rolled out on Monday the core. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like, like, there's some like nice pieces there, like some potential stuff with a lot of those guys, but like, that's, that's not a core of a team you want to build around. We're happy with our core. Uh, so anyways, I thought that I thought those were just some interesting quotes because going forward, it's relevant how Houston decides to build their team for the Thunder because those picks yeah. in, what is it, 24 and 26, they're going to be a direct result of how Houston chooses to play these next two years. And yeah. I'm more worried about them going full-scale tank two years in a row. I mean, especially if they get a t- if they keep their pick this year. But if they add like three, two to three blue chippers on this team in the next couple of years, now all of a sudden I'm getting worried about those picks in 24 and 26. Whereas yeah. if they're more of the mind of we're just going to keep chugging along, build around this core, bring in more young guys, I'm less confident that that's going to lead to like a playoff team by 2024. We'll see. They can always yeah. like, you know, hit the jackpot in the draft. So you don't know. And they have a ton of picks coming up. Like even this year, they're going to have more picks likely, more first round picks than the Thunder because they have the Blazers pick 
and I think they have Brooklyn's pick, and then they're going to have either their own pick or Miami's pick. If they land their own pick and then have those three total picks, like that's yes. going to be huge for their that's franchise. When you have an- that's when you have an actual core. Yes. That you can that you can talk about. And it will be all people who are currently not on the team. Right. Yes. <laughs> Cuz exactly. like at that point it's like what are we doing with Christian Wood? Like he's only on a 3-year deal. He only has 2 years left after this. I think he's 25 or 26. Like that's the point yeah. where I could all if they really did if they landed like someone like Cade, I could almost see them moving Christian Wood at the deadline next year when he has a year and a half left. Because they could probably get something for him at that point, and then really build around your true core. Yeah, or they may keep him around because like that would actually be like a a pretty nice pairing. Those two. yeah, true. Which speaking of uh, pairings, Andrew, we we watched some hoops last night, didn't we? We did watch some hoops. Only uh, one of the games so, for me. Some big time prospects. You didn't watch any of the Gonzaga game? No, I watched the Gonzaga game. I didn't watch the Michigan game. Oh, you didn't watch the Michigan game. Okay, good. Um, man, there's there's a lot of guys on both teams that you're like, okay, like they could play in the NBA right now. Like put them put them on this team right now. Um, is there is there any guy you felt strongly about after watching? Um. Well, obviously, I was focusing mostly on the two main guys, and what I was. I mean, I've watched more of Mobley, so I, I'm not going to get too crazy about one game. But the way yeah. that Timmy like took him in the post so often, and it was almost like he was Timmy was playing against someone who was six six. Like yeah. Mobley's length did not bother him at all. There was a play where Timmy was like backed up against him around the free throw line, and just threw a pass like over Mobley's head almost. It's like, how did you, isn't Mobley huge? Why is his size not mattering at all? And it was the same for Isaiah Mobley too. Like their length did not matter for Timmy whatsoever. And I don't know if that's just because he's so crafty or if that yeah. speaks to some larger issue. I think the the common you know, fear I've heard about with Mobley is just his overall frame and and lack of sure. size and and I did yeah. see a few moments last night where like box out opportunities and there'd be some wing for Gonzaga that was just like pushing Mobley out of the way yeah so I I do kind of get worried about that even recognizing that he brings some things to that position that you just don't see yeah I mean he he will benefit a ton from NBA strength and conditioning right and it, it will take time for him but like he just has skills at that size you can't you can't teach like i timmy's a, a pretty fun player he's super physical and he's like a, a man right <laughs> he's <laughs> definitely a man <laughs> and uh evan mobley's like clearly just a a, a a teenage boy right out there just kind of figuring out what what he is and he's been really good i mean to help take a team this that far in the tournament at that age is really hard. There's been a ton of NBA prospects that have not been able to do anything in the tournament. Even guys that haven't even been able to get their team to the tournament. Right. Uh, and Mobley's been like the key piece for them. So I, you have to give him credit there. And just the versatility that he has, though. I mean, it's, to me, outside of Cade... He's the one that I'm just like, if you if you put him on a team with Shea and with Poku, like it, you just have the weirdest team and like kind of the most, maybe the most fun young team in the league, period. And then on the other side with Suggs, I mean, honestly, the most impressive thing about Suggs is that as a freshman, he came into this super veteran team and fit right in. And when and when yeah. projecting forward and thinking about guys that have a chance to come into the league and immediately contribute in a positive way, like that is some really good evidence for that for Suggs. The fact that he did not he does not dominate he did not need to dominate the game and it didn't bother him that he was not dominating the game. Like he plays his role and he's very good at it and it's very he's playing at a very high level. Um, but he's not like you see with some of these guys where they they go to the schools and they're clearly like the number one guy and everything revolves around them. He's already fit in a system of a really good team that plays in a way that's closer to the NBA than some of these other games I've watched 
of these college teams. Yeah. And he's so good. I think he's going to be a star. I mean, he can really, really pass. And he sees the game at a different level than almost anybody in college. Uh, and so I'm – he he would be great next to Shea, honestly. And with everything you just said, like he's willing to fit in. He can – he's not just a guy that has to have the ball in his hands. Like he can do lots of different stuff. Uh, and Shea's the same way. And you put those two guys, those if those are your guards, like that's pretty great. Like you're, I think you're on your way uh, to having a really, really nice team. And I thought his the thing that stuck out last night was some of these passes that he had, specifically like some really tight window in transition, but it was still very crowded passes to guys who were yep. running down that were really impressive to me. And then I guess the other guy who's probably going to go in the lottery was Corey Kispert. Which yeah, for sure. I'm willing to buy into Kispert, but I just question whether that's really who a team like the Thunder should be targeting. I mean, he's yeah. he's already 22, and like, is that it, that just make that would make more sense for a team that's like ready to compete? I guess. Yeah. Doesn't he fit the mold of the guys that Sam has gotten recently, though? In terms of just being like. Skilled shooter, skilled, skilled shooter, a little older, yeah, yeah. I just take. Uh, he would play for. I I am really surprised at you, Alex. Why? I'm really surprised. You know that I don't I like just, old guys. It's like my biggest pet. Peeve. I know, I know, but I just watch him and think, oh my gosh, like that's a Mark Degnault guy. We have so like, that's many a Mark of Degnall them. Player. I know, but he's he has a. I don't know how good any of the guys we have now really are like, I think he will be really good in the league. And that's why I just, I think like that's, that's a Degnault guy. Like that's, that's what I thought the whole time watching him yesterday. See, I just, like that's a Mark Degnault player. I feel like Sam, I, I agree that he has been targeting, especially compared to the past, more like skills, more shooters than athleticism. But yeah. he also has not had a top draft pick in a long time. So I'll be interested to see if that changes depending on where he is in the draft. I kind of get yeah. taking Teo in the second round. Um, and Poku's sure. kind of like a mix of those because he's like a very skilled guy. Maybe he's a shooter, but he's also like a total home run swing, which is more in yeah. line with what Sam would normally do. Yeah, I, I don't think the Thunder would take Kispert, but I just think of him as like he could be thrown onto this Thunder team now. Oh, and, for sure. Like, hey, like fit in. When the season's like, over, bring him over for so a 10-day. Well. Give him a 10-day. <laughs> Let's see what he can do. Yeah, like he, he would average probably seven threes a game for OKC. Like he would be, to me, I would love to have him. It, uh, let's say the Rockets pick pans out and the Thunder have their own pick at like eight. Like he would, where you get to like take your swing at a top five guy, and then you take Corey. I mean, I just Ugh. I think he fits in. I I don't know why you hate that. What is wrong with you? Why do you? Uh, you just have lights out shooters around Shea, Dort, and whoever the the other guy is, uh-huh. right? Why Why do you hate that? Why are you acting like because he's old? Yeah, that's the only reason. Yeah, because we've talked about before, Hank. <laughs> Hank doesn't like this opinion. He he he's 14 years old, which is very old for a dog. I'm gonna have to. Meet I, know, him. I was gonna say. Oh my gosh! I was, gonna say, I was gonna say Hank loves is a huge Corey Kispert guy. But like he would come in and be one of the oldest players on the team. And I I know that you don't care about age, but we went back and looked. <laughs> you don't. I know. You don't. You would. Draft I do a, care about you age. You would draft a 26 year old if you could. <laughs> We went back and looked I, at the I last ten specifically drafts. Like, I just specifically like Kispert. That's just that's it's a very specific liking. And when I went back and looked at the last ten drafts, the only players who became really good, who were over the age of like twenty one, it wasn't even like a crazy yeah. number, were all guards. It was CJ, Dame, Steph. Mm-hmm. Like the I know the older players who play the wing, forward, center positions. Like they have not turned out. I know. I understand. And so you're asking me to I take just... a big leap right here, and I don't want to do it. <laughs> I know. You rather you'd rather go for Keon Johnson? 
yeah, whoever the youngest player in the draft is. Whoever the player Let's is that has see. five years of development behind Cody Kispert just waiting. <laughs> Moses Moody? Sure. <laughs> like, especially on this Thunder team, you're bringing in a guy. In fact, Andrew, he's going to be 23 because his birthday is... Oh, no, he just turned 22. He just turned 22. Yeah, March yeah. 3rd. Okay. Shay's age. Yeah. Yeah, Shay's age. Who's mm-hmm. had three years of NBA experience. Uh, listen, I'm fine with taking those guys later in the first round. Mid to late first round, I'll do it. You know? I know. But for a, I get for it. A I just, I just could not help but I just could not help but watch and think he f- would fit this system incredibly. That's all. Well, hopefully he ends up on another team where he'll get that opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just I, I think I just think Mark would know exactly how to use him. That's all. I'm just a- I'm all. ageist. I'm ageist when it comes to guys who are 22 years old. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Someone said a uh, uh, TTAM12 says I'm trying to draft uh, the new Jimmer. He's not the new Jimmer. Come on. I don't know. He's a role player. Prove it, Andrew. He's a role player. He is a role player. Like Jimmer. Like the thing with Jimmer is like Jimmer had to be able to get his shot off against guys. He didn't have the burst of speed. He didn't have good enough size. Kisper doesn't have that problem. He's just, he's going to be spot up. He can attack or close out. I don't know. He can really, really shoot it. All of a sudden, just Thunder fans hate shooting. Um, wait, wait, right, wait. Alex. Drew Timmy is two years younger than Kispert? I didn't realize. I thought Drew Timmy was like the oldest basketball player I'd ever seen playing in college. He looks like the oldest basketball player in college, doesn't he? Yeah, he's only 20. Gosh, you love him. You would take him in the top eight. I'd take him in the top five, probably. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Alex, right after this break, we're going to talk about the Thunder's future draft picks. We're going to talk about all the young guys on this team. Before we do that, let's go to the stream. We've got Miroslav in Germany. Uh, we have uh, Hoopstock69 in the stream, Chad Scott, all the way from OKC. We have our friend in India. I'm sorry, I, I, you're going to have to give me a pronunciation guide. I'm so sorry. WKM14 in Sydney, Ross Patterson, uh, Nathaniel Brown, and more. We have Katie Lewis in OKC. We have... Paul Chi in Jamaica again. Oh, my word. I hope you're not messing with me, Paul, because I think it's really cool that there's somebody in Jamaica listening. Um, We have Parker in Denver, Colorado, says that Denver, Colorado is down to dunk. Uh, We have uh, Gordy in OKC. We have uh, Chris Meyer in Little Rock. We have Daniel in the U.K., we have Reed Allen in Fort Cobb. He says, hi from Mr. Allen's class from Fort Cobb. Hello, class. <laughs> he has us uh, up on the have, big screen for the kids. <laughs> he must. <laughs> we have Dylan in Singapore. We've got Kev in Lacey, Washington. We have Jonathan in Louisville, Colorado. We have our friend Hermes in Greece. We have Sam in Tempe, Arizona. Uh, let's see. Uh, Sam the Man in New Zealand. We have Falk in Denmark. We have Josh in Nashville. And we have our resident Jimmer Hater, TTAM12. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you want to have a shout out, just tune in on YouTube when we go live. And you can also get a shout out. We will be back right after this quick break. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And we're back from that quick break. Alex, the Thunder have just an outrageous amount of draft picks, and I thought it's just good to get this number out on the pod uh, officially. So the Thunder have what has been called 34 solid draft picks moving forward. And depending on who you read or listen to, the numbers can look a little bit different. Like Bobby Marks reports, they have 17 and 17. And that is based on the Golden State Warriors pick. And so he is assuming the Thunder will not end up with their pick. And... Um, but I would, I think if you ask other people, they would say the Thunder have 18 and 16, 18 first round picks, 16 second round picks. So we'll just really watch. Obviously we're watching to see what Golden State does, but that will determine kind of the part of the final count. And then they have upwards of 37 total picks, um, in the next seven drafts, um, with conditions attached. So I just thought it was important to throw those numbers out. I feel very confident in saying that those are the accurate numbers uh, with regards to the Thunder's pick totals. Yeah, and in terms of uh, the Warriors, I mean, they did get Steph back, so that's good. They did? (laughs) That's good for us. I was just going to go look at the standings to see how far they are out of that spot where we could keep the pick. I I do not think it's going to happen because the Warriors, they've just been a mess this season. Well, they're in the lottery now. They're in the lottery now. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So, yeah, they're about yeah. they're about <laughs> five games back of where they would need to be. So that's not happening. Okay. It's unli- It's it's very unlikely at this yeah. point that they would get there. But who knows? Things can get weird. Who knows? They can get wacky. Jordan Poole. <laughs> Jump on the hype train. Jordan. I know. They do have a negative point differential, which I'm... I mean, obviously they had one last season, but it's probably been a while since they've had two consecutive years of negative point differential. Yeah. I, uh, someone I follow on Twitter was made the point, like a national person, made the point that, oh, is OKC's overdoing it with these picks. And like on the one hand, I, I sort of agree because like at some point, there's there's a limit to how many picks you can have. Obviously, there is a certain number of roster spots. They're not going to use all of these picks. Um yeah. But in I, I was also thinking about what's been reported, I think it was through Forbes or like CNBC, that the NBA is expecting the next television deal to be like three times what it currently is. Three times. And right. John Hamm and, and me were talking on Twitter yesterday, and I, I am starting to get very scared about the idea that we could face a point in the very near future where someone drafted in the top five could come to their fourth year, their restricted free agency year, and have a qualifying offer that's like $20 million and just say, you know what, I'm going to take this. I'm going to make $20 million for a year, and then I can do whatever I want. And how do you kind of defend against that? Well, one way is just to have a ton of picks so that you can keep bringing in high-level young talent in case that ever happens. And so I think it's important for that reason. But also, we've never seen Mm -hmm. a team accumulate this many picks. We've never seen a team with a GM as aggressive as Sam Presti. I mean, say what you want about Ainge being aggressive in terms of accumulating all those picks. He was never aggressive in terms of using those picks. The one time he was aggressive was with the failed Justice Winslow trade when they offered four picks. Like That was the one time you heard oh, wow, Boston's really trying to go in and consolidate some of these picks for a guy that they've targeted. But otherwise, you do Well, and Kyrie Irving, too. But not barely. They they gave up one pick. They, yeah, I mean, it, true. Like, even that. Like, I'm talking about, like, really using picks, like overwhelming teams with mm-hmm. the number of picks, which I do think that Justice Winslow deal mm-hmm. was, and it's still amazing to this day that Charlotte did not take that yeah. so that they could take Frank Kaminsky. You're Cody Kispert. <laughs> Same guy. Oh, come on. <laughs> who Ouch. was who was older at the time of the draft? We don't know. It's a question. Corey, not Cody. Not 
Even disrespecting him. Not, that's the ultimate disrespect <laughs> is calling him the wrong name. How much I don't want him on the team. Um, <laughs> I, I just, I just I think know. that we cannot judge right now because already, even with all of these picks, you would assume that a team that has that many picks would not have very many people on the roster that you would want to keep. You know, you would assume that they yeah. would be in like a Houston Rockets like scenario and there would be like maybe one yeah. young guy that you're super excited about. That's not the case yeah. in Oklahoma City. So I'm I They got lots of guys. They yeah. have lots of guys. They have lots of picks coming up. So much more flexibility than maybe any team in history when you factor in the cap sheet as well. They can literally do anything mm -hmm. they want. So I'm yeah. just interested to see what happens. I really want to see yeah, what happens in this draft. The... Does he make a crazy offer? Oh my gosh. Even not I'm not because we we've talked about it's all, nearly impossible to move in the top five. But do they make mm -hmm. a kind of type of godfather offer in the way that Boston did for Justice Winslow? I think that was like the ninth pick or something at the time. Because you mm -hmm. can get those picks. We've, we've seen that sure. happen. I mean, uh, the Trailblazers traded two first to move up to get Zach Collins at number 10. Like, those type of deals in that, like, 6 to 14 range do happen. Well, and we just don't know what situations are going to be at hand. Let's say the Thunder don't get a top five pick. They have eight and whatever the other pick is. What if Cleveland's at five and Suggs is the guy who drops? Are they going to put Jalen Suggs on that team? Then you call them and say, hey, we'll give you eight and we'll give you three first rounders. Yeah. Like, they have to say yes. They have to. <laughs> they would be very <laughs> stupid not to say yes. Yeah, right? no. And for the Thunder, it's like, hey, doesn't matter. We still have 14 first round picks. Right. So, who cares? <laughs> you yeah. Know? I... But I, I'm I'm hoping we see that as soon as this draft, and I think we will. Yeah, I mean they have they. I mean, it's funny when people say like, "Oh, this is just too many picks." It's like it would be like me telling one of our rich friends like, "Too much money, man! Stop making money." You should at some point you have to stop making. That's what money, we say to the L right? man. That's what we have to tell L man all the time. Like, bro, stop making so much money. No, it's this. Everybody talks about, like, you complain about, like, small markets. Oh, like, they don't have the tools to get to, you know, to compete. They don't have this. Like, they don't have that. Like, these small markets will never compete with, with the Lakers and, you know, now the Nets and all this stuff. And then it's like, okay, a small market figures out an advantage, and that is the draft. That is accumulating draft picks. And now it's like, oh, well, that's too many. <laughs> Yeah, what? Like this is like the only way they can gain an advantage. Like how you can't talk about like both sides and then say like, oh, there comes a point where there's too many. Like no, like that it doesn't because the Thunder have to do so much to counterbalance the fact that they don't live in a big market. Yeah, and again, if they maybe the argument would make more sense if there was no one on this roster, but it's like they're doing both. Like they're accumulating yeah. assets picks but they're also accumulating young guys that might have a chance to stick in the league so it's yeah. it's not like they're tearing it down in the way that the Sixers did where you know there were there are a handful right. of guys that came out of that process but most of the guys that were on that roster were never good and and the and the lineups that were thrown out on the right. floor every night were a bunch of guys that were never going to play in the NBA yeah without a doubt and they didn't have Shea. Like, they didn't have a player the level of Shea. They didn't really even have a player the level of Dort. So, come on. Come on. It's crazy. Um, All right. Uh, move on. Let's do our – Let's do our, yeah, let's move on. Let's do our young player oh, draft. Oh, okay. Young player draft. Andrew wanted to know what my thoughts were on the current young players. I said, uh, what are your thoughts, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> so, we're going to do a Thunder Guy draft. So, these are only guys who are 23 and under. Does uh, Corey Kispert make the cut? Oh, just makes the cut. Just get. <laughs> yes, he does. Stop. Stop it. He would absolutely be on this list. Give me a uh, Okay, so because Shea is obviously the the crown jewel, we're not going to draft him. He, we both get Shea. We get alternate yeah. versions of Shea, perhaps. Okay. Um, now, we have to decide who goes first. Um, let's see. How about I'll let you go first because I'm so nice. <laughs> okay and that way if i lose i have an um, excuse so you're not picking you're not trying to build the best team andrew okay you're not trying to build the best five man or six man unit 
you're just trying to yeah. accumulate the best players that you have like you feel the best about going forward okay the guys that you mm-hmm. believe in the guys that could become big guys in the league so who are you yeah. taking number one this is actually number one is actually kind it's yeah a it is tough i'm interested to see how you go i'm gonna go lou dort mm. um just because he already has a definable NBA skill that would put him in the rotation on any NBA team, and that's his defense. But he has shown some stuff off the dribble this year that has kind of made me think twice about what his future could be. And then the fact that he's still willing to take threes, um, man, I I just think that he's, he's undeniable. And I think the Thunder have been pretty good uh, with him on the court. And even with, even if he's the primary ball handler, which is, is never, um, is never an ideal situation. It's not a horrible situation. Like the bottom dropped out, not only because the Thunder, I think got tired against Boston, but it's because Lou Dort was off the court. So um, I'm going Lou. I think Lou's got a, uh, a bright future ahead of him. Congratulations to you. I was hoping you would go with Dort with your number one pick. I suspected you would go with Dort as your number one pick, <laughs> leaving the door open for me to take Alexei Pokushevsky, who yeah. uh, you said that Dort already has a definable skill. I'd argue P- Poku has 10 definable skills. He can do everything on the court, <laughs> <Does Andrew>. he? <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's yeah. been, uh He's been very impressive. Now, he, he still can't shoot great. <laughs> I think he's he's still under 30% for the season, but it's creeping up. And just these last, these last couple games have just been really impressive. Um, he, he's doing, yeah. you know, up until this last week or even the last two weeks, when we would talk about positives with him, it was often like, oh, he's a little bit better on defense than I thought. Or like, ooh, he's he's moving the ball. He's, he's making some good passes. And the thing that mm-hmm. has been more interesting the last couple weeks is some of his offensive moves. He's getting to different spots mm-hmm. on the floor. He's not just shooting threes. He's doing some other things that we just haven't seen yet. Um, specifically, like doing some like pull-ups from the mid-range that have been pretty interesting. Or taking guys off the dribble. And doing like a finger roll at the basket. So I'm taking Poku number two because I think he has the highest ceiling of arguably anyone on this list. So that's that's my number two pick. And he's super young, Andrew. Youngest guy on the list, so I had to take him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I almost took him. I almost oh, did. Oh, we've got, got Danny Ainge does. over here. I almost took him. I almost took Poku. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he does have... He, Certainly has the highest ceiling just because of his his size and skill level. Um, Dort, I think Dort has a higher ceiling than what most people think, though. I'm I'm high on Dort. Uh, okay, this is where it gets muddy. We're in the mud this now. The, this is the real Welcome reason to the for mud. doing this to see where we where we are yeah. on all these guys. Yeah, I think you got to take Teo Maladon next. Take him Maladon. <laughs> I'm I'm taking like the like definitely have taken the two like sure things because I think if you if the exercise was like make a bet on who you think will be in the NBA in the next seven years. That sounds years, like what you're doing. I think I think these two would be number number one and number two, right? I mean, would you argue? Yeah, you're gonna that? have a great middle of the road team. Congrats. <laughs> no no upside. <laughs> I think Tao's got upside. I think he's got upside as a shooter. I think he's got upside as a playmaker. He's still really young. I mean, he I'm is. not, I don't, I mean, so I, I like him. I think he's going to be a really nice piece. He could be a guy that ultimately doesn't start, but could be a guy that finishes games for you uh, in spots just because he is very solid at just about everything. Um, still 19. So we like, you like that, I guess. I hate that. I wish, gosh, I wish he was older. <laughs> I'm wishing, he, I wish he was 23. The only reason I do like him is because he acts like that he's 23. That is true. Um, he's very wise. Um, he is. He's very wise. And he shot the ball well from three. Uh, 37% on four and a half attempts per game as a rookie. You know, that's great. Um, his Even his, like, 
per game counting stats are pretty impressive for a rookie off the bench, second round pick. You know, almost nine points per game, three and a half assists, three boards, a steal per game. Like that's you couldn't you can't ask a whole lot more than that from a second rounder. Like he's I, he's legitimately a good player. So and he's got good size at the point guard position too. He's not he's not small. He's six four, so he can play both guard positions. This draft is going exactly how I predicted so far. And with my fourth pick, uh, kind of an interesting one because I tweeted the other day, like, who who could you bring on this team that wouldn't look good in Mark Dagnall's system? And somebody commented Bays. I was like, you know what? That's that's a it's <laughs> pretty astute observation. I would say that like of all these guys, Bays has probably had the most disappointing season, especially when you look yeah. at how good everyone else has been. Now, of course, he's shown flashes, yeah. but. And, and we haven't seen him with kind of like this new version of the Thunder where it's all young guys, which I really do want to see Bays with all these guys. So Definitely. even though I'm a little down on Bays because of all of that, I'm still taking him with my second pick. Wow. I am surprised. I know. I knew you would be. I knew everything. I could have just explained this entire segment. You wouldn't have had to talk once because I knew what you would do. Uh, I'm still. We we podcast too much. <laughs> I'm still going with Bays because I look at the other names on this list, and I still think he has a higher ceiling than any of those guys. And the other mm-hmm. guys feel more replaceable. Like I could get someone else who does similar things in the league pretty easily. Whereas there's an argument to be made that we've seen enough flashes from Bays where it's still a good bet going forward. Again, still very young, of course, and. I, again, I am really excited. I'm hoping he comes back. I mean, there's no reason why Bays they would sit Bays out the way they sit Horford. So, assuming whenever he gets over this injury, he will be back at some point this season, right? So, yeah. right now, I have a definitely a wing forward rotation of Poku and Bays. Get ready, Andrew. We're securing that top five yeah. pick. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's. He still has a lot of potential. He's still very young. He still has limited exposure to competitive basketball. So give him, give him time. He All needs right. some time. And having a 3-4, a like that's So great. now it gets dicey. Great. Who are you? It's been, it's been, <laughs> let's, let's, it's been dicey for a minute, <laughs> Alex. <laughs> let's not, <laughs> let's not sugarcoat this. Uh, it's extremely dicey. I am going to take a gosh. I am such, this is like the most like 34 year old dad team ever because I have to take like sure things, guys that have definable skills that I feel like could be in the NBA in a few years. And he might be on this, on the seven year list as well. No. (laughs) I was hoping to steal him. I can't believe you would even, I can't believe I would think that you would have thrown Ty Jerome in the trash can by now, Alex. He's 23 years old. He barely makes this even qualifies to be on this list. I mean, he's he's closer to death than he is to the like being a good draft prospect. So like, why why even take a look at him? No, Ty Jerome's been surprisingly good, super skilled. He's definitely a Degnault player. Uh, almost five threes per game, 45% on the season. Let me look at what his totals are. Cause he's, I mean, he takes a lot of shots. He's very aggressive with taking shots. Um, he's taken 69 threes on the nice. season. Nice. So Super dope. nice. Uh, <laughs> Super dope. Uh, and he hadn't played that many games for the Thunder. Uh, he's been good and he can really pass it. He's a decent rebounder at the guard position. He can play both guard positions because he is that skilled and he's got good enough size. Uh, only thing going against him is that he um, has, probably has osteoporosis because of his age. But other than that, now if I had taken Ty Jerome, because I considered this, if I had taken Ty Jerome fourth, would you have taken Bay's fifth? I think you yeah, have I think to. You have to as well. Okay, well then I made the right decision. Yeah. 
that's what it came down to for me. And even though, I mean, Ty Jerome's one of my favorite players on this team, age notwithstanding, um, I still felt like I had to go Bays for the upside. Okay, so this is this is where it, this is where it gets interesting, Andrew. <laughs> I'm just gonna keep saying that after yeah. every two picks. <laughs> I, know, I was gonna say <laughs> it really what you're saying is like it gets a lot worse no here. being positive uh okay this might surprise you i don't know i'm going to take svi mahailuk as my third pick and huh. if you listen back uh to our like post homie trade didn't really care much for Svi, not not that I didn't like him, but it's just like I mean, who cares? You really want me to get excited about this guy? Um, but <laughs> you know, because I had looked at his stats and it was like he's not even shooting that well this year. Like, what is he really doing? Didn't seem like anyone on the Pistons uh-huh. was that upset about losing him. So I was like, I'm not going to invest right. that much in this guy. But seeing him over the last couple games, he does a lot more than I thought. One, he's been a pretty mm-hmm. good shooter while he's been with the Thunder. But he's also shown some other things in his game. Um, his handle's been a lot better than I thought. His athleticism. I mean, he had that dunk. Didn't know he did that. So I thought that was pretty yeah. cool. And I just think that going mm-hmm. forward, you know, because it really came down to me between Svi and probably Moses Brown. Um, mm-hmm. It's just easier for me to project Svi having a role on like a good NBA team than it is with Moses Brown. And that's why I went with Svi over Moses even though I'm pretty yeah. sure Moses is younger okay Moses yeah yeah he is uh cool uh, I'm cool. gonna take Isaiah Roby Roby <laughs> wow that's yeah. kind of a surprise sell me on that uh well one it's a little dicey here <laughs> uh two I think I think he's he has improved so much from the beginning of the season, and he he does things that surprise me. Like his, like he's not afraid to take the ball off the rim on the defensive end and take it full court. He did that twice in the Mavs game, and he he's shown an ability to attack a closeout. He's not a great three point shooter. He's a willing three point shooter. Um, he is hitting over thirty percent from three this season, which for a big guy, great. Uh, and he has shown the ability to play both big positions uh, this season. And I think he's got enough skill on both ends to stick around in the league and be a versatile player. So I like him. I like his versatility more than anybody else left on this list. And... He has like he works super super hard and wants to be good, and he's also picked in in the draft, which I think is a helpful thing. So, man, you put me in a really awkward position because I'm looking at these two centers: Moses Brown, Tony Bradley. Mm-hmm. Now we're just we're just learning yep. about Tony Bradley, but should I really hold that against him? Because Tony Bradley, uh, you you could argue has already established himself as like a backup center in the league. He's much bigger than Moses Brown, not not in height, but like they basically weigh the same amount and he's four inches shorter than Moses. He just looks bigger yeah. on the court. Yeah. He looks more sturdy on the court. Mm-hmm. And for that reason, Andrew kind of a surprise to myself. I think I'm going to go Tony Bradley. Wow. I cannot believe that. That is something. It got dicey. Okay. Well, you just lost, but that's cool. Uh, that That's, hey. <laughs> Tony Brown, I, I just don't know. I, it's, it's like, actually sell me on it, because I'm now, okay. I'm just. Okay, here's the I'm, deal. Here's the deal. Like, what, what skills do you like of Tony Bradley that make you, that make you think that like, he's the guy over even Moses? Um. First of all, it's not like my options are great at this point, okay? So grade me on a curve, please. (laughs) Understood. Understood. I didn't take him with my first pick. Well, I went back because, listen, when you're watching only Thunder games, you're obviously going to overrate your own players, right? Agree. 100%. 100% true. Before that last game where Tony Bradley, by the way, shot 100% from the field, if you remember correctly, he, he does that. He has he has he has a tendency to do that. Uh, I went yeah. back and watched some highlights. 
Turns out he had his career high game just like a week ago with the Sixers while Embiid's been out. Yeah. And was it amazing? Were the highlights amazing? No, <laughs> they weren't. <laughs> but he looked like a very functional big. He was playing in the dunker spot on offense, on defense. He had some really nice defensive possessions. For me, it just seems like it's more likely that he ends up being a backup center in this league than Moses Brown. And that is why I'm taking him. You are such a hater. This is unbelievable. That's I am really shocked at the level of hatred that you have in your heart. Yeah, this yeah. Is, this Until is crazy. you're about to take Josh Hall over Moses Brown, aren't you? No, 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 no. Although I, I do... I do think Josh Hall's got some legs. Now, I think I'm a little surprised Moses Brown slipped this far. I, I don't think that it's an incorrect conclusion that we've come to, that he's toward the bottom of this list. But um, to snag him, I thought I thought I was having to choose between Moses and Isaiah Roby. Uh, but it's not, it's not crazy significant, but it's also not nothing that he's one of the handful of players that's had a 2020 game for the Thunder. Um, he can really rebound. He's got he's got the stuff you can't teach, and that's height, length. Disagree. I, and he's he's way more <laughs> way more mobile than Tony Bradley. Like you can you can clearly see that he runs the floor really hard. He wants to be better. He was a five star recruit. I've said this on like every single platform that I've been on this past week, which has been like several podcasts and on uh, local news. But like he was a he was a five star recruit. He was a guy that was supposed to be here, kind of thing. Um, and I like his attitude. He wants to win, and uh, I cannot believe I stole him here. I feel uh, excited uh, about this. That I get to have the Isaiah Roby Moses Brown front court on my team. My team actually does strangely make some sense. Uh, just um, to de- and uh, I'm to I'm defend happy. Tony Bradley. He was a four star recruit, which is still a lot of stars. And he, and he got it's, yeah, it's one one less he got star recruited one by star. North Carolina, another blue blood basketball school. Sure. Well. Great. It looks like I am left with Josh Hall, who I am happy to select. He uh, sure. he finally got some minutes in his last game. Double-digit score, I mm-hmm. believe. I think he had 10 points. 10 points. Yeah, he did. He looked, Four turnovers. Nope. And it looked like he could do some stuff <laughs> on the court. So let's look at, let's look at our teams yeah. now. So I my point guard is going to be Josh Hall. I know I said well, we weren't making lineups, but we are. Josh you're not gonna put Poku point Poku? Come on, bro. Um, no, he's my he's he's you my secondary creator. Um, put the ball okay. in Josh Hall's hand. My last pick. <laughs> not even Svee. <laughs> Josh Hall, okay. Svee shooting guard. Poku at the three, Bays at the four, Tony Bradley at the five. That is a team that can lock you in to a top five pick. Is that the goal? Is that the goal? I didn't. I'm. I guess I missed the point. But you're right. They absolutely would. Oh, they would turn the ball over 27 times a game. I mean, easily. Uh, okay, my team is uh, Teo Maladon, uh, Ty Jerome, Lou Dort, Isaiah Roby, and Moses Brown. Uh, should we put this? Should we do no, a poll no, on I'll Twitter? Get destroyed. No, we have to. We have to now. I, I listen. I spend every Friday morning getting just completely demolished about no. my uh, NBA intelligence no. on Slam. If I had known, I would have just taken Moses because he's such a fan favorite. I would have won easily. I know. I, I, you were setting yourself up for like all the fan faves. I zigged, and then you I just, zagged. You, f- you fell flat. Disagree. Disagree. <laughs> my- my team, my team has uh, a lot of upside, and your team doesn't. Your team has a good, a good floor, um, but very, very yeah. low. Oh yeah, low we we have a very sol- solid yeah. floor. Yeah, yeah. My team, Without the ceilings doubt. are like incredibly high. Can't even yeah. see them. And the floor, 
yeah, the floor is an endless it's, bottom. It's the <laughs> tallest room in the world. <laughs> oh. Your team's in a little crawl space because the ceiling's so small. We're in a crawl space, but we we feel cozy in our little <laughs> in our little crawl space. I think this exercise is kind of interesting though because we we don't even include Shay, which is he's obviously worth all of these guys plus more right. uh, all put together. But there, to look at some of the guys they have, like certainly like you have like the Poco and Bays guys who are developing, and if either one of those guys hit, that's a very valuable player. And then I th- and then you could argue that they've already hit on Lou Dort and Teo already, and you could see those guys being on this team for the foreseeable future and contributing. And then the the other guys like even a Ty Jerome, like I think Ty can. Obviously, he's, he can shoot it, but is is he a guy that you can play on a really good team? I, I don't know. Um, are any of the rest of these guys, like Svee, is the same conversation? Like, can you play him on a really good team? I mean, I have no idea. And then maybe even if one of, like, Isaiah Roby, Moses Brown, uh, Tony Bradley pan out as, like, your third, like, center, yeah. like, that's even a good situation. So they've already they've already done a good job, and this is year one of this rebuild. It's great. It's a great situation. They've put themselves in a really good spot um, with regards to not only picks that we discussed before, but also players that they have. And the crazy here thing is, that is developing. in about four months, there will likely be three guys on this roster who we think of as highly as we currently think of, like Teo. Three Without more of those guys. Yes. Three. So just shift yeah. everyone no down question. and put in those three picks, like right around Teo. Yeah. Yeah. There will, we won't be talking about Josh Hall in our next draft. We probably won't. Next season. We'll see. <laughs> uh, all right. Thanks for joining us on today's episode. Make sure that you follow Alex on Twitter at AlBabyCakes. You can follow me on Twitter at AndrewKSchlecht. Have a great Wednesday. Enjoy the day. And we will talk to you guys again on Friday. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.